Hello and welcome to Kyrinos Finsight, the podcast that explores some of the most pressing topics for financial services. Insights that help you navigate today and anticipate tomorrow. Hello and welcome to the Kyrinos Finsights podcast. Today, my guest is Adam Stockton, who is head of retail deposits, benchmarking, and strategy here at Kyrinos. Welcome, Adam, to the podcast. Uh, before we dive in to talking about deposits, can you tell us what your role at Curano's entails? Absolutely. Thanks, Rucker. And it's, um, I'm really happy to be here. Um, uh, my role at Kyrnos is, is all about helping banks um, grow deposits, forecast their deposits, and, and price their deposits. That's pretty clear, uh, clear to me. Um, again, thank you for joining us today. We, we all heard, of course, recently that the Fed raised the rates. And most likely that there's more rate hikes coming. What is the market currently expecting for rates throughout 2022? Absolutely. So right now the the market is expecting more increases, and and you know the the Fed um, said that they uh, were going to keep increasing rates as long as inflation is high. Uh, most observers expect the Fed to get to somewhere between um, uh, 200 and 300 basis points by the end of the year. That's that's somewhere between two or three percent in terms of the the Fed funds target rate. One other thing I would say there is um, expectations can shift really fast. So back in, in January, uh, it was looking like we were only going to get two or three increases this year and the Fed was going to be up 75 basis points. We're already there right now. Um, you know, so right now the market's expecting between 2% and 3%, but uh, who knows where we'll be as the, as the next inflation numbers continue to come out. Uh, now, now, corporate and, and consumer deposits flooded into the system during the pandemic. Um, what what do bank deposit coffers look like right now, and how much does that vary bank to bank? Yeah, those deposits are still there. It's really amazing. Um, you know, I, I think everybody that we talked to was predicting that a lot of those deposits would flow out pretty quickly. Um, you know, the stimulus was designed to be spent and stimulate the economy. And it turns out a little bit of it was. About a third of the EIP stimulus to consumers was spent pretty quickly. The rest of that money, that two-thirds, has stuck around for a long time. Um, uh, there is some variation bank to bank. So, you know, not every bank has uh, a, a lot of extra. Those those funds tend to be within primary checking accounts, um, uh, you know, but the, the industry as a whole is still sitting on trillions of dollars of, of excess deposits. Yeah, that... that... That surge really, uh, really stuck around. Now, what's your current thinking about deposit levels for the rest of the year? As of right now, um, there are a lot of pressures on deposits um, uh, in terms of uh, quantitative tightening, uh, first and, and foremost, which basically means, um, you know, one of the ways that the Fed stimulated the economy was by buying a, a bunch of assets. Um, and that that basically pumps money into the system because they, when they bought those assets, they printed new money and uh, to to, to buy those. So what quantitative tightening really means is um, they are selling those assets to others. And when the money comes back to the Fed, it goes out of the system. So we are expecting to see deposit levels under pressure because of the quantitative tightening. And then on the consumer side as well, uh, we are seeing 
increased spending levels. Uh, people who didn't go on, haven't gone on vacation for the last two years, summer travel bookings are way up, and then inflationary pressures as well, where so far price inflation has risen faster than wage inflation, meaning people have to spend more money on goods and services than is coming in the door. All of those things point to at least a slowdown of deposit growth, if not some modest deposit runoff. Now, how is this rising rate cycle different from the previous cycles? Yeah, the this cycle is shaping up to be very different than the last two. The last two cycles actually look quite similar in a lot of ways, even though the, the pace of Fed moves was different. In 2004 to 2006, um, the Fed increased rates by 25 basis points at 17 consecutive FOMC meetings. In 2017 um, uh, to 2019, it was a much slower pace of, of Fed increases. Um, the, the big difference that we're seeing this time is those excess deposits that we just talked about. The One of the common threads between the last two cycles was almost every bank going into those last two rising rate cycles needed to raise more deposits. They were looking for really aggressive growth. Therefore, when you're looking for aggressive growth in a rising rate environment, you need to pay increasing rates in order to get it. Because today, somebody might walk into your bank for 75 basis points. In four months, that same customer might be looking for 125 or 150 basis points in order to switch banks. In this cycle, because of those excess deposits, we're seeing a lot less need for growth. Mm-hmm. And so if, if banks don't need the deposit growth, if they don't need new customers walking in the door, they may not have to increase rates as quickly in order to, in order to get that growth. You mentioned the uh, FOMC. Uh, for, for those not completely familiar with that, what does that stand for, uh, Adam? Absolutely. That is the Federal Open Market Committee. That is the, the policy arm of the Federal Reserve um, uh, comprised of some of the, 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 the Fed chairman and some of the um, uh, governors of the regional Fed banks who set that policy interest rate. And, and really what they're trying to do is um, by increasing rates that slows down uh, the uh, economy and slows down inflation, really prevents the economy from overheating and getting us into uh, a big inflation cycle uh, as, as we saw in the 1980s, where, where prices spiraled out of, out of control is the biggest thing that the Fed is, is looking to try and control through the, the FOMC by increasing interest rates. Yeah. How have banks responded to, to higher rates so far, and, and how can they best be positioned for this cycle? For the most part, it's been fascinating. Banks have done very little. Now, that is in some ways consistent with what we saw in the last two cycles. When we exit from a low rate environment, uh, banks' profitability on the deposit side of the house is a bit squeezed. So um, if you think about how banks make money, it's um, uh, banks take in deposits and pay customers for those, and then they lend the money out at, at higher interest rates. When interest rates are low, um, uh, the um, those uh, net interest margins are are squeezed across the board. If you think about um, when rates get higher, 
in particular, checking deposits, which are usually not paying interest. Um, uh, you know, banks have those those portion of checking deposits where they're able to loan out money at maybe five or six percent, and they're paying no interest on the checking deposits. And so, you know, net interest margins, particularly on the deposit side, expand in a in a rising rate environment. And so, you know, banks are looking to to get some of the profitability back early on. Um, with that said, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the, the biggest impact is the, the excess deposit levels that they have. So banks just don't need the growth and therefore they don't need to pay up to get it. Uh, that's not true across the board. Not every bank has excess deposits, um, uh, you know, but we, we really haven't seen significant moves yet. Uh, we're, we're seeing a, a lot of banks try and, and wait as, as long as they can, given that they, they don't need the growth. Yeah, and and it's also up to the banks to decide, right, how they set their deposit rates. Whereas most of the lending products, uh, or at least some of them, are tied to a benchmark, so they automatically go up, right? If you have prime rates on the on the lending side, and the prime rate goes up when the Fed funds rates go goes up, it automatically goes up. And obviously, banks have a little bit of a benefit if that goes up, and they can hold back a little bit on the deposit rates not increasing as fast. That makes them a little bit of extra margin. Very large companies uh, are able to negotiate with banks because their deposits are so huge that they can say to banks, sure, we'll bank with you, but only if you give us a, a rate that's tied to Fed funds. Your average consumer uh, is is not doesn't have that negotiating power with banks. So you know, banks say on on savings and money market accounts, we can change our rates at any time in our sole discretion, and uh, and and that's what they're doing. And what what about fintechs and direct banks? So you've uh, you've found one of the few segments of the market that actually is responding. It's interesting. So the the direct banks or or online banks, we we tend to use the terms interchangeably. Really, are one of the few segments of the market that don't have those access deposits. So when we think about the the, the access deposits, the or surge deposits, those really went to primary checking accounts. Uh, if you got an EIP check, um, uh, that went into the account that your tax refund goes into, which is usually your primary checking account. Mm -hmm. uh, if you didn't spend money during a lockdown, well, you still had, hopefully, uh, the same amount of money coming in, um, uh, but you just had less going out. Which So again, most of that surge has built up in, in primary checking accounts. A lot of the online banks don't have primary checking accounts. And so what you're seeing is a much lower level of growth over the last couple of years. And therefore, those are the, the banks that need to grow. For some of the fintechs, they're starting out with, with no deposits and, and they really see this as an opportunity. So they say, you know, we're trying to expand our customer base. And hey, if, if nobody else is going to pay rate, this is great. We'll see if we can kind of take customers from some of the traditional banks um, in the same way, um, you know, that, that getting paid two days early, um, getting rid of some of the overdraft fees was really an opportunity to attack some of those profit pools of traditional banks. Paying interest could be an, another one in, in this type of, of environment. So those those online banks have been more aggressive so far. A lot of them have already increased their savings rates by 10 to 20 basis points. 
Uh, and we've seen CD rates increase even more um, for the longer term CDs in excess of, of 50 basis points. Um, you know, so for, for consumers looking for more interest, uh, the, the online banks uh, are, are one of the bright spots right now. What, what should institutions do when customers start demanding higher rates? Yeah, that is the million dollar question is, um, you know, and, and, and if you think about the position the banks are in, it's a really tough position where they want to keep the customers and they want to keep the relationships and they want their customers to be happy. Right. Um, you know, it's the you know, banks need their customers to bank with them and to keep as much of their wallet with them in the long term as they can in order to kind of stay um, growing and stay profitable in the long term. But they don't need the deposits right now. And so, um, you know, unlike the last two rising rate environments where banks needed the deposits. And so, you know, if you came in and said, well, I can get 2% across the street, what are you going to do for me? Most banks said, yes, of course, we'll give you 2% as well. Um, this time they might not. I mean, it's it's the same as if you think about, um, you know, calling your, your cable company and saying, hey, can I get a break on my deal? Um, you know, T-Mobile's running a special where, where they'll give me, um, uh, you know, a, a mobile phone for $50 a month. Sometimes, your, your company will say, yes, you're a value customer. Sure, we'll, we'll take $30 off your bill. And sometimes they'll say no. And, and I think that's really where banks are going to be this time around is they want to keep as many customers as they can. But since they don't need the deposits, they won't be able to keep everybody. Uh, and so, um, you know, trying to think through who are the customers that were willing to pay extra to, to keep or to grow um, is a much more challenging question this time around than, than it was in the last couple cycles. Yeah. And then, and then sort of leading from that kind of like, is there a point at which corporates and consumers start shopping around for higher rates? So, so first you sort of responded like, Hey, what if they demand with the bank that they're with, at what point are, do they get triggered to go shopping? So looking at our historical data, and, and we track lots of data uh, from both the consumer side and the bank side, what we've seen is there are a couple big tipping points. And, and one of the biggest ones is around 1%. Uh, and and this, is, this aligns with a lot of consumer pricing psychology and behavioral economics more broadly. It's why uh, on the flip side, um, you know, you, you always see prices that end in 99 cents because, you know, to someone seeing $9.99, that just triggers less of a response than seeing $10. Uh, it feels like less. It's the same thing on the other side with the deposit rates where, you know, somebody seeing, oh, I could get 1% on my money. That just feels very different than I could get 0.95. I don't know. There's a zero in front of it. Is that really going to add up to anything? Yeah. Um, you know, so so 1% is where we we start to see um, the, the behavior shifting. And that 1% can come in in a couple different ways. Mm -hmm. The first one is the absolute rate that a bank is offering. So once those online banks start offering a rate that starts with a one instead of starting with a zero, mm -hmm. that is going to prompt some customers to look up and say, oh, I could get a good rate. 
The other place that it's going to make a difference is the difference in rate between what a customer is getting today and what they could be getting somewhere else, right? So that gap between where I am today and and where I could be um, is the the other important uh, side of things. We also see other tipping points every time um, a new level is crossed. It's a little smaller than crossing 1%, but but going past 2% is another big tipping point. And, and that was, uh, it actually turned out the biggest tipping point in the last rising rate environment. We saw a lot more customers switching as once rates uh, increased above 2%. Yeah, so that that's, that's important that... Symbolical 1% or symbolical 2%, and then how often it's in the news as well, right? I'm sure that that when people read the paper or look online and sort of say, hey, Fed raised the rates again, even if they're not fully aware where it is, the more often they hear that, the more they will be woken up and, and start thinking about, hey, maybe I should look at my what I'm getting on my my deposits. Now, now are different customer segments responding differently to rising rates? Very differently. So... There are always, um, uh, you know, everybody responds differently. And and one of the ways that we measure that uh, we call rate sensitivity or elasticity. Um, And some customers are just happy where they are um, and they're not really looking for for additional rate. Interestingly, um, you know, it has less to do with the amount of money somebody has than, than you might think. It's really kind of an attitude towards money. So we see um, some people, even with with lots of money, who don't look at the rate on their deposits, in part maybe because they have a big portfolio of investments. And they say, my investments are are what I need for growth. My deposits are are just an emergency fund. um, And I'm not uh, paying very close attention to what they need to grow. You see other people who look very closely and are kind of constantly checking the market. Could I be earning even five basis points more than than I am today? Um, You know, so there there are big kind of customer um, segment differences in terms of um, uh, behaviors and attitudes. There are also some uh, broader uh, customer segment differences based on other attributes, too. So uh, certainly some customers who have big investment relationships have other alternatives, um, money market mutual funds or, or bond funds or other investments that they're comparing their deposit rates to. So that's kind of the flip side of the, the behavior that I mentioned earlier, where some say, my investments are for growth, so I don't care as much about my deposits. Others say, well, hey, if I'm making this much on my on my money market mutual funds, shouldn't I be making that much on my deposits too? Um, you know, so we see very different uh, behaviors and, and very different segments across the market. So it's going to be crucial then for banks to sort of understand the different segments and how they behave to, to changes in deposit rates to manage those search deposits as the rates in the markets go up. Is that correct? That's exactly right. Uh, coming up with different strategies for those for those different segments. Um, you know, if, if you have somebody who's kind of always asking for for the best price, you know, how do you think about interacting with that customer 
versus somebody who might just come in once or twice a year, maybe when they get a tax refund or, um, you know, a, a Christmas check and, uh, and want to put that money to good use. Um, you know, ba- banks are going to need different strategies to think about that. And in some cases, given how much extra deposits they have, they may have to tell some customer segments, we're, we're just not willing to, to price up as much this time because we, we don't need the deposits. We, we don't have enough loans to put those deposits against. And if we can't do anything with them, um, we're, we're just not willing to pay as much. You know, the, the one thing I would add is as banks are coming up with plans to, to retain customers and figure out who to give different rates to, uh, what is a strategy that makes sense today may look very different three months or or six months from now, uh, depending on what the Fed does with the quantitative tightening that we talked about earlier, how the competitive environment looks. Um, you know, banks are really going to need to stay on top of um, who is is asking for more rate, who is starting to leave. Uh, and be ready to shift strategies. And in fact, we may need, see some banks who shift from, we have more deposits than we need into, oh no, we've got to start growing. Uh, and identifying that early and figuring out how to ease into growth instead of uh, trying to go from zero to 60 overnight is is going to look a lot better. In yeah, that makes perfect sense. Now, finally, we, we're asking each guest on the podcast, what is a term or an acronym or lingo that you would like to retire or redefine? Something that you hear a lot and you sort of say, oh, I'm tired of it, or it's not used correctly. What, what would be that term for you, uh, Adam? We've been talking so much over the last two years about, about surge deposits. The, the extra deposits that came in through the pandemic and uh, Ultimately, this is a term maybe not that we'd like to retire, but is going to retire itself at some point. Uh, Our perspective is there's going to be a wave of spending this summer. After they do that, for the people who haven't spent for those deposits that stick around, at some point, it's just we're not going to be able to call them surge deposits anymore because there's going to be an expectation that some portion of those become permanent instead. So uh, I, I think by the end of the year, we'll have a lot more clarity on, you know, what portion of those excess deposits are uh, sticking around versus not. And, and, and many, what sticks around is, is ultimately in, in large part going to become part of the, the normal banking system as opposed to, as opposed to surge. So I think that one's going to really retire itself at, at some point uh, over the next six to 12 months. That's that's a great answer. So so you don't want to retire it, but it'll retire itself. I think that's that's a great uh, way to to end today's podcast. You also brought us a, a FinSight fact, um, which I think is very interesting. So top CD rates from direct banks have risen fifty seven basis points, a little bit over half a percent since October for forty eight month CDs, and sixty three basis points for sixty month CDs. That I think is a very interesting fact and something to keep an eye on because it's probably changing all the time. Uh, thank you again, Adam, for joining joining us today. Uh, I'm Rutger van Fassen, and this has been the Curanos Finsights podcast, helping you navigate today and anticipate tomorrow. As always, thank you to our Curanos Finsights team. Robin Seidel is our Director of Thought Leadership, editing and production by our senior designer, Adrian Cohen, project management by our marketing communications manager, Megan Brazette. music is by Vision Studios, 
I'm your host, Rutger Van Fossen. You can find more insights at curanos.com. Please subscribe and review wherever you listen to podcasts.